lepers, Samaritan, and gratitude. Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. David, when I woke up this morning and looked outside, I just saw beauty. I saw beautiful mountains in the distance, greenery. I could hear the birds singing. It, it was just a beautiful day I woke up to. And the first thing I thought of is, I'm so thankful that God has given us a beautiful world to live in. You know, and I am thankful that we are able to take a few days and go away and to stay in this place we're at now, cabin kind of out in the country where we can see the beauty around us and just take time to relax a bit, too. I'm thankful for that. There are so many things in my life that I'm thankful for, and I really enjoy the fact that we're going to be talking about one of those stories in the New Testament one of those times where thankfulness, gratitude is being talked about a lot, because sometimes we forget that. And our story today takes place in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. And Mary, how would you outline this text of Scripture? It's a story. It could be told as a story, really. It's a true story, of course. But I think my first point um, in Luke 17, verses 11 through 13, that 10 lepers met Jesus as he was walking from Galilee towards Jerusalem. So they met him in, uh, 10 lepers met him in Samaria. And then the second point, it's a spoiler alert here, David, doing the outline first. But <laughs> the second point is the healing. These lepers were healed or cleansed. And then verses 15 through 16 is the third point. Out of those 10 lepers, one came back to Jesus to thank him, to praise God and thank him. And then the last one, verse is 17 through 19, is sort of a commentary on the belief that that Samaritan leper had. Well, I thought we could begin today by outlining it, because usually we do the outlining later on, yeah. so I thought we'd do it at the beginning. You may want to pause the podcast and read the story first, Luke chapter 17, 11 through 19, and then you can come back and listen to conversation. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, so he was traveling from Galilee toward Jerusalem, and he went through Samaria. He was about to enter a small village, it says, in Samaria, when these ten lepers came upon him. Now, they're outside the village because they're not allowed into the village because they're lepers. And so they have to stay outside the, the village. And that's where they were to beg for money when people came into the village. And so they see Jesus, and they come up to him, and they called to him and said, Master, please help us or have mercy on us. So, David, when they did this, you're saying they may or may not have even thought about being healed. It was just like, please help us, give us some money, we have to survive. Could have been just that. 
I think that's what they were asking because that's what they did. That's how they survived is to ask for mercy from people. Giving alms, giving to the poor is a great act of righteousness. They're pleading for Jesus to have mercy on them. What a shock to be not given money, but just given these instructions out of nowhere. Just when Jesus saw the men, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. Why would he even say something like that? Go show yourselves to the priests. Leprosy was a different kind of thing than other diseases. A couple of things about leprosy. The word and the Greek is lepros, and so leprosy is actually a transliteration of the word. And in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word, the exact meaning is uncertain, but it related to a number of skin conditions, which possibly could include what we normally understand as leprosy, Hansen's disease. It probably included other skin diseases or problems like psoriasis and lupus and even like fungus and, and warts, all those kind of gross skin things right. um, that today we might just go get a medication for. Um, when a priest would look at this person and examine them, it, it could be serious, serious. It could be not so much. But they were so careful about containing that, keeping it away from the population. I guess this is why the priest would send them away. So they had to keep a distance. Would that be true? That's right. They had to stay away because they were considered unclean. Not just diseased, but unclean. They had to stay away from the community. It was the priest who actually had to give the pronouncement that they're clean, that their disease is, quote, cured or healed so they can come back into the community. So so that... That position was not just because he was the convenient person. I mean, this was in Old Testament law that the priest was the one to make that pronouncement. So he acted in a way almost as a physician, I guess, or at least someone that could examine this physical condition. Yeah, so leprosy covered a variety of skin diseases and skin problems. Lepers had to be, to be healed, they had to be cleansed. And that concept may be a little foreign to us, but I think we can understand it by using an analogy, the difference between clean and unclean. When something's unclean, we want to be separated from what we consider unclean. For instance, if someone comes to your house and they have muddy shoes on, you do not want them to come into your house with those muddy shoes because the shoes are unclean. They're dirty, and they will make your house dirty, and your house is to be clean, supposed to be clean. And or if you have a plate of food and you drop the food, you're taking it to the table to give to your guests and you drop the plate on the floor and the food falls over the floor, you do not scoop the food back up and put it on the plate and then set it in front of your guest for him or her to eat. No, because that food has been contaminated. It's now unclean and unfit. And so you have to deal with it. In a lot of cultures, that even extends to objects. I know... Bible class teachers forever have been using empty toilet paper rolls, those little cardboard tubes for different crafts. But in a lot of cultures I've learned, and, and in New Zealand, in the Maori culture, you, you don't use anything that's associated with the bathroom, the toilet. You would not use those for purposes 
other than what they were for, because they're unclean. You just wouldn't do it. Right. If you can take those analogies and apply it in a situation like this, having a skin disease would make you unclean because your skin or your body is sacred, and the boundary that separates you, your sacred body, from the world is your skin. But when your skin was ruptured in some way, it made you unclean. And so you you had to stay away. And so you could contaminate others by your uncleanness. And so lepers were considered unclean. They were sent away on the word of a, a priest. But then, some, you know, some of those people would always be sick. But some would get better, right? I mean, some of these conditions would right themselves. This is where, when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, I believe he's saying, go show yourself to the priest. The priest will look at you and say, you're healed, you're cleansed, you're clean now, you can return to your life in the community. And all those regulations about how the priest should inspect the the leper to determine if he was clean or unclean and all the regulations and rituals that would be necessary to do in order to be pronounced clean are all found in Leviticus chapter 13, the Old Testament. There's a long chapter just devoted to what's called leprosy, a variety of skin issues and skin diseases. Talk about having a gross reading. <laughs> you know, it's reading through some of those descriptions and um, because it was quite precise. And it's not just that people had these skin problems, but also Mildew and mold and things like that could make something unclean. It can make your house unclean. And so there had to be a ritual to go through to to make it clean again or be pronounced clean. So the ancient people were very much concerned with clean and unclean. That had a sort of a spiritual religious connotation to it. It's not just a physical thing, but it's a spiritual thing about relating to the community, relating to God, interacting with the community, interacting with God. You needed to be clean So this makes sense to me that these 10 lepers came to Jesus and, you know, they're desperate because they can't just go make a living. They're living off of people's generosity. And so they're just begging. It makes sense that he would say to them, not just you're healed. He says, go to the priest, show yourself to the priest. And actually, that probably took a little faith just to do that because they looked down at themselves, they were still unclean, but they set off towards Jerusalem to see the priest, and it really wasn't until they were on their way that the Scripture says that they were healed. I think you're right. I think they did have to have faith to do that. I'm sure they were just all happy about that. (laughs) But when one of them, it says in verse 15, saw that he was healed, he went back to Jesus and he praised God in a loud voice. There were 10 that went, and on the way they were healed or cleansed, and I'm sure they were all 10 happy about that, but one thought, I need to go back and show my gratefulness to Jesus. And so he returns back, and he praises God, and he couldn't contain himself. What a wonderful heart. I can't blame those other nine for being so excited about this healing and What's going to happen? They're probably thinking, oh, I'll get to see my children again. I'll get to be part of the family again. I can go and mingle with people. They would have had all those things on their mind and be thinking about the blessing, thinking about that healing or cleansing. And it's just interesting. The heart of this man was turning not just to that cleansing, but who did it? 
Who made this happen? It wasn't just the what, it was the who. And this person that turned back would have been the most unlikely person you would have thought to do this. Because it says he was a Samaritan. So I'm assuming that the other nine were not. Only this man was a Samaritan. And that's what makes this story stand out. Jesus was passing through Samaria. Isn't that even unusual that it's unlikely that a Samaritan would be the one to be pointed out as the one being grateful? Yes. Samaritans and Jewish people did not like each other. There was some tough history between them. And Samaritans were actually half Jews. And so they were considered not full members of the covenant that God made with his people. And so the Jewish people really looked down on the Samaritans and would avoid them. A very strict or pious Jew, if he's traveling from Galilee down to Judea, instead of going through Samaria, they would cross over to the Jordan River to the east side of the Jordan and go down to the east side and then come back across about around Jericho to go to Jerusalem, avoiding Samaria altogether. You know, make their journey longer, but at least they didn't have to go through Samaria. So Jesus is going through Samaria, Jesus. so that in itself is unusual. And then now he's talking about a Samaritan, this one out of the ten. That's right. So the least likely person. This Samaritan had two strikes against him. He was a Samaritan, and that was a negative thing from a Jewish perspective. And then he was also a leper. But he comes out as the hero of the story, the one who shows gratitude to God. David, just looking at the context that this story falls within, there are a lot of parables, stories, examples that Jesus is sharing about humility and having that perspective of God made us all. There's really no one better than another. He's talking in these chapters about servants, lepers, Samaritans, a widow, a tax collector, children. These are all people that would not have high status. And so talking about the Samaritan is just adding to this whole narrative about God is for everyone. He wants everyone to come to him. We don't need to be too proud and think he only chooses me because I'm special. God wants everyone to come to him and he wants to bless everyone. No one would have picked this Samaritan, but that it's this Samaritan who is the hero of the story. Luke has several things to say about Samaritans in the gospel and also in the book of Acts. And I find it interesting that later in Acts in chapter 8, Philip is actually in the area of Samaria. And it may have been this area where Jesus is now. We don't know exactly where, but somewhere in Samaria. And he's preaching, and, and the Samaritans are becoming followers of Jesus. The church in Jerusalem sends Peter and John up there to check things out, to follow up on what Philip has been doing. And they laid hands on the Samaritans and the Spirit came and they spoke in tongues, which is evidence that God has accepted the Samaritans as being part of his people. They're not outsiders. And that's going to have even more meaning, like you said, in the future of, of the story we're talking about today, as the church is established, as people are taking the message of Christ out to the whole world, that's very important that they understand this, because you're not going to take the message to the world if, if you think the world is inferior and not deserving of that good news. Yeah, coming back now to our story, in verse 17, Jesus asked this Samaritan who was bowing before him, thanking God. He says, 10 men were healed 
or ten men were cleansed, where are the other nine? Is this Samaritan the only one who came back to thank God? And then the story concludes with Jesus speaking to the, the Samaritan. Stand up and go on your way. You were healed because you believed, or you have been made well. Or and this is the word actually that means saved. You were saved because you believed. Something to note is that Luke uses a few words to talk about what Jesus did for these men. He uses the word healing, but he also uses the word cleansing because they needed to be cleansed or pronounced clean, but also he uses the word save. So in Jesus cleansing these men, healing these men, Jesus is rescuing or saving these men as well. It's complete. So if this is a Samaritan, and yet he gets the complete package. Yes, Jesus came to make our lives whole, whole in every way, whole in our bodies, whole in our relationship with others, and whole in our relationship with God. He came to make our lives whole. There is the kind of religious side of this. There is the physical side of this. But I do think it's really understandable. If you have taught for a long time or preached or been in any kind of serving role, you know how rare it is for people to come and say thank you. Often we think it, maybe. We consider it, but we don't say it every time. And I think only a few cases where children have come to me after they've grown up or they've gotten older and they'll say, I really appreciate all those Bible classes. I didn't think about how much work it took. And same with children. You know, we go about our life accepting all these blessings, kind of expecting all those blessings from our parents. And as we get older, we realize how much our parents sacrificed for us. And we become even more thankful and more grateful as the years go by for what our parents did for us. So it's not an uncommon thing for people to not say thank you. There are a lot of scriptures that talk about thankfulness. It's filled, actually. The scriptures are filled with those kind of things. The Psalms are. I've jotted down a few. I'll try to put those in the show notes. But even just Psalm 106, verse 1, Praise the Lord. Thanks the Lord, because He is good. His love continues forever. I like 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. Give thanks, whatever happens. That is what God wants for you in Christ Jesus. It's not just dependent on if everything's going good. You know, when things are not going well, we really should be thanking God. We're surviving. He's still taking care of us in ways we don't even see, and we can trust that He's doing that. And God may be using these things to teach us and to grow us, and that's why we should be thankful. What scripture comes to mind for you, David? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20 is another text that talks about thanksgiving. And Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. And in Colossians 3, verse 15, it ends there by saying, and be thankful. In teaching children, this is one of those things that is in their everyday life. Their parents and, and adults around them, when they're given something, even when they're very little, it's like, what do you say? Thank you. You know, we're trying to teach them just that simple thing from their very little to say thank you. Those are words. That's where it begins. Those habits form, and that helps us as we mature. 
children are probably not going to understand that fully for a long time. But they do understand it's important to say thank you. So I would be talking about that when I talk to children in my Bible classes. There's some songs. Actually, I'm thinking of a few in the hymn book and chorus songs that probably particularly say these words. There's that song, thank you, Lord, for loving me, and thank you, Lord, for blessing me. Thank you, Lord. That's a really good one. I mean, it's right on target. Another one is Give Thanks. You know the song, Give Thanks with a Grateful Heart. Give Thanks. That one. Right. Uh, And probably you could search around whatever is familiar in your setting, whatever your church likes to sing. But singing those songs of thankfulness is really good. You could do that with adults and children. I'd have to talk about leprosy because that's such an unusual concept. And like you said, sometimes when you research this, like Google it or whatever, they only put this in the context of the one disease that is known more today, and that's tagged as leprosy. But like we've been talking about, it's more than that. It's, it covers a whole lot of different kind of skin conditions. You can find pictures and things online, but do keep that in mind. Sometimes just Googling it, it's not going to give you that full picture. Younger children love to write on stickers, but in this case, I would have them write on a Band-Aid, or some places we call them plasters. But you just take the Band-Aid out and use a Sharpie pen and write, thank you. Or you could even write Luke 17, 11 through 19. Have the children think about who they might like to thank, and let them go and thank someone for something that they have blessed them with, and then they can give them that Band-Aid as a sticker. That's kind of a fun thing to do with this lesson. What about in the adult class? Before I teach the story of Jesus and the Ten Lepers, I should search my heart first and think about those things that I'm grateful for and, and then express my gratitude to God. Not just the trivial kind of things, but the deeper things, the more significant things. And I think that would prepare my heart in teaching a story about thankfulness, about being grateful. Oh, and it really shows when teachers are teaching from the heart. It sounds like that's the kind of preparation you're talking about, the genuineness. Another thing that I would do in a a class is have post-it notes and have everyone just write on the post-it note one or two things they're grateful for. And then have them come up and stick them up on the board. When that's all done, have a few people in the class to take these, then pray a prayer of thanks. I'm thinking adults and children sometimes have done this with older children, and I think adults, we all would love this too, is providing a journal and just setting out to think about our day, like at the end of the day is a good time, and think what we're grateful for and write that in our journal. You know, And if we do that every day or regularly, then eventually we're going to have a whole book of things that we're thankful for. And that will mean more and more as the years go by, just remembering God and what He's done for us. And it becomes a book of praise, to praise God for all of these gifts. This event in the life of Jesus means so much to me. It reminds me to be thankful But I would like to take the time right now to thank you. If you're teaching right now, if you're teaching adults or you're teaching children 
or you're even contemplating that and trying to learn about it, thank you. Thank you for what you mean in the lives of people. Thank you for being that person that brings these things to their mind, that points them to the Word of God. Thank you for that. And may God bless you as you speak into the lives of adults and children. Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's Word with children.